you are listening to The Social Hotelier Show, a podcast that inspires hoteliers to create meaningful and memorable experiences for their customers in pursuit of their passion. We share our views and experiences relating to hospitality, technological trends, and also relating to humanity. Here is your host, Sam Eric Rutman. Hello and uh, warm welcome to Hospitality Talks. Uh, Abid and I, we are really excited to welcome you to a very interesting uh, segment of Hospitality Talks, our third uh, Hospitality Talks here on LinkedIn Live. Uh, I'd like to first of all thank all the live viewers and also the replay viewers who are watching this later on. So uh, since we have a very distinguished panel with us today, I would really appreciate if you uh, give some social currency with five thumbs up or five hearts to each participant, and that will help us to <laughs> be seen by, by as many people as possible, and LinkedIn Live will notice that we are, we are live. And uh, also, um, if you, for any questions that you have uh, for the latter part when we have a Q&A, put, put in the comments, Q, uh, uh, capital Q, and then the question. And finally, um, we like to know where you are watching from. So just say hello and just indicate uh, the city where you are watching from. So that would be great. So we can see that we have a very global audience. I understand that uh, the post that we put out has reached about uh, 5,000 viewers who has uh, reacted positively. So uh, it looks like we have a good crowd joining us uh, for the show. So uh, with that, then I would like to then uh, hand over to Abit. Well, thank you, Sam, and thank you to our esteemed guests that have joined us. Uh, we really appreciate the time. Since Sam and I started these conversations uh, a few months ago, uh, um, even as late as our last session in March, our world is very different today. COVID-19 has uh, truly created a a, a moment of truth for all of us, uh, all nations, all governments, all organizations and, and individuals. Um, our hearts go out to everyone that has been impacted as a result and a huge shout out to first responders and medical professionals and people that are working in grocery stores and, and uh, delivery people, everybody that is helping all of us out and keeping us safe. Um, at this time, I guess we are all asking if our choices and actions reflect our purpose and value and how these choices and actions define us. Um, we, we need to rely on integrity, uh, agility, innovation, um, uh, people centricity to get through this time. Typically during emergencies, Humanities have come together physically through vigils and, and a lot of the other things in providing comfort to each other. Unfortunately, in this pandemic, that is certainly not possible. So we are having to do things differently. There might be new social norms at the end of all this. So in these times, we not only have to navigate through the current we have to plan for the recovery and, of course, shape the future as to what it would look like. 
Um, as I said, we put together a fantastic panel of guests to help us discuss these topics. And to start out, I would like to welcome Dr. Aaron Tucker, who is with uh, Georgetown University in, in uh, Washington, D.C. Aaron, thank you for joining us. Uh, how's your day been? Everything's been well. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, tell you the weather's great here in D.C. today. Um, and spring is uh, is here, so uh, definitely uh, grateful for uh, for having me today. Superb, superb. Well, look, uh, we all know the current circumstances. We all know what the world is going through. Uh, could you help us understand? Because you obviously dealing with the future leaders in the hospitality industry, uh, their de development programs. Could you help us understand what sort of questions? they have brought up and, and uh, what kind of things are you fielding today? Absolutely, I mean, students right now, I mean, they obviously have an immediate concern um, about their job offers. Some of them have been extended job offers and uh, those some of those offers have been reneged. Uh, some of them are going into the um, job, the job hunting space. So they're definitely worried um, a little bit about what's um, happening. What I'm seeing now, though, is that the um, that both the industry and practitioners, as well as the academy, are really stepping up to start having these conversations about really being able to help students really articulate their skills. One of the things about the hospitality industry and especially hospitality education is that these skills are transferable in so many different industry sectors. So with that, um, students really being able to translate that their skills can be used in so many different areas. Um, a lot of times they don't think about areas like food distribution. They don't think about banking in, um, industry. They don't think about um, even companies, uh, specific companies that have a variety of, of, of large uh, supply chain um, elements. Supply chain's not going anywhere. It's, everything is, is continuously moving. Um, but getting them to think about those avenues is what's really important. So that's what, you know, that's kind of what they're looking for. That's what they're asking for with that. And um, really the industry um, has to has to also keep, you know, students interested um, as well. So, uh, you know, with that, um, you know, the industry has to really begin to kind of broaden its lens uh, to be much more inclusive of different students' backgrounds, um, as well as not necessarily having students that um, reflect their um, individual interests, but being much more inclusive of students that can uh, problem solve. So in asking behavior-based questions, really being able to, to, to listen and to be able to say, you know, this might not have been the way I would have gone about doing it, but maybe this particular perspective is something that's needed now. Well, thank you for that. Uh, I hope, I hope your students that have the passion for this industry will stay with the industry. Um, our, our industry can be a bit volatile, but having said that, as we all know, at the worst time in financial crisis, travel and tourism still grew double digits. This really contributes a great deal to a lot of nations, a lot of governments. So I hope that if they have the passion for this, that they will stay with the industry and industry uh, together will evolve after this uh, pandemic. Uh, a stronger, more vibrant uh, things might have changed. And, and that's what we'll talk about, what the industry would look like. Uh, any thoughts on how you think the industry would 
evolve after the pandemic? Absolutely. I mean, I think that the the industry will evolve a, a couple ways. Um, I think that the first avenue is that um, the industry will look to, um, I think, technology a lot more. I think that there has always been a discussion of technology, um, but I think that now there's going to be a specific um, viewpoint with uh, looking at um, you know how technology is being um, incorporated in um, in really business continuity, I think that there's always been a discussion of how do we incorporate technology in what we do. But the question is really going to be about business continuity. So, uh, what technologies can we put into place in order to make sure that our businesses uh, continue to 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 move to move as um, as something as any sort of uh, you know activity happens, and of course that's uh, that's you know with the pandemic being one of them. Um, I think embracing technology in the areas of cybersecurity and the protection of information, um, data breaches. I think that this is something that's been a little bit more reactive. Um, I think that now there's going to be much more of a focus on on the proactive avenue with that. Um, other industries are light ahead uh, of sometimes within our hospitality industry. Um, so I think just catching up and being able to have both a mind mindset around this, but also investing in this. Um, and I think that the industry, uh, you know, I'm really hoping that the industry will return back to um, an understanding of the hospitality and our, and training our employees and management in hospitality, which is the welcoming of the guests, um, the understanding of different of different cultures, um, which is a tad bit separate than tourism, which is the business of moving and movement and travel. Um, I think that we spend a lot um, of time on the on the on the tourism side, but really being able to also um, you know articulate. Uh, that ability to 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 really go back to the heart of of hospitality and our in our discussions and translating that into into the workforce. Oh, that's fantastic! And and particularly at this time, quite candidly, when there are a lot of people that are out of what they have normally done, uh, it behooves us to really think it through as to uh, what values are important to each of us and how we will go uh, moving forward. Uh, Sam? Well, I think you are raising such an important point. I'm also interested to know how the students these days are reacting to the situation because now we are, uh, the schools are closed and what are they looking at in terms of uh, continuous learning? Is that going to be the online learning or and so on? If you could like to share share your views on on this. Right. Well, the um, the academy and education um, has definitely taken um, a very swift approach um, to once again, you know, going back to the concept of business continuity, we call it instructional continuity. Um, and so instructional continuity really isn't just anymore about online education versus on ground. Um, it's more about online education versus the remote classroom. Um, online education um, has a completely different modality. Um, a completely different student that is in an online setting. Uh, there's uh, there's terms called synchronous and asynchronous uh, uh, learning where um, in an online environment, that is something that is actually produced prior to the course beginning. The, the uh, course semester and time frame is much shorter. Um, students have some uh, level of, uh, of interaction that has already been previously recorded prior to. Um, some classes, some online classes don't meet uh, in person or synchronously at all. Um, it's uh, it's there. There's different times that are allocated for the for the for the professor. 
that's very different than what we're experiencing right now, which is um, a remote classroom. And so people are using this term like we're moving classes online. We're not moving them online. We're moving them into a, a remote environment. And this poses a new learning for instructors who have not, um, who are teaching live uh, synchronous, as we would call it, they have to uh, now have a new uh, skill set in understanding how to keep students engaged when you're in a when you're in a remote learning classroom, um, not just online. So understanding tools and techniques, simulations, polling, um, those avenues, um, being able to show video at the same time, the opportunity of bringing in now guest speakers from all over the world. Um, you can do that now when you're in a remote, not to say you couldn't do it in an on, in a, in a on-ground class, but that ability to be able to, to be so much more inclusive and bringing in the world um, is very, very um, important. But this is a new skill that instructors have to learn. There's also the skill that students have to learn with being in a remote classroom. And some students, I mean, students who take on-ground classes, they want to be in an environment. They want to leave their work and actually go into a classroom. They actually want to They look at the university and the classroom as a tool to be able to say, you know, I'm taking two hours of my of my day and of my time to focus on a on an area that I'm really interested in. Now we're going to have to do that's going to always still continue. But now we're going to have to take that remote classroom and recreate the simulation for them to still use this as a tool of escape. So training in and and really giving tools and tips to our students are a big thing. I mean, such as um, I mean, just changing your background, making sure that you hopefully are in an area where you can receive where you can have that focus. Um, I know there's there's a lot of uh, fun video that is out there, um, you know, showing, you know, what, you know, the background and, and you know, you know, your, your living and home environments. But the reality is that to re-simulate that, uh, that, that focused environment, we're going to have to, as, as instructors, really teach our students um, about that. How do you recreate that? Now you're going to be doing a video, uh, your, your interviews a video, uh, using video. You're going to have to do your corporate professional presentations from your home. So giving them a new tool set for that um, really is, is a great experience. And then, of course, on the in education, a lot of a lot of people don't understand that the if it's not with if it was not without the staff or administrators, they run they run everything uh, that that uh, that a university or school has. I mean, you don't see them, you don't hear from them much, but they are really a backbone of the continuation of the school. So having staff and administrators to really learn new policies um, in this new remote environment really, once again, just pre just creates uh, such a different approach that uh, that is that is welcomed. Yeah, thank you, Abid. You know, it's it's uh, very interesting that you bring up. All of us have had to adjust. All of us are having to learn new ways of doing things. In some ways, while we are all practicing uh, uh, social distance, um, but I think in in technology in these times might have brought us together in other ways, uh, in other ways that we might not have thought of in the past. So. It is, it is definitely changing a uh, um, lot of things, what we have done in the past and what we used to. And for that matter, there might be some new social norms that would come out uh, at the end of this pandemic. Uh, hopefully, it, it this chapter would be behind us before too long, but uh, there will be new things that will come out as a result. So, uh, Aaron, last question. Uh, um, if you were to write 
a case study as to what has happened uh, with this pandemic. How did the hospitality industry dealt with it? Uh, what can we do? How can the industry contribute the recovery process? What would that look like? Wow, um, I would. <laughs> great question. I would. I would write two separate case studies. I think the first one would be. Um, I would call it something like Mayday, Mayday, ethical decision making <laughs> in a time of crisis. Uh, in a, in a time of crisis where there is not a handbook or a tool book on how to approach decision making, um, I think that the ethical dilemmas that um, are being exposed right now is a huge avenue and area um, that is uh, that, that I think that would, would cause a very very that would really create a really good case study. Um, whether it's um, right now with the with the cruise industry, that's why I kind of called it kind of the Mayday Mayday. And you, know, you have a dilemma. I, I, I teach ethics and hospitality at Georgetown, so I create these uh, simulated um, you know s scenarios. And one of them uh, was kind of that. It was, it's, it's a classic case of um, you have uh, ten people, but only nine spaces on a on a boat. Um, who does not make it? And those are that's something in which, you know, it sounds kind of morbid, but you give these very, very simple descriptions of these 10 people. And the decision making process is how are you going about determining what is important and what's a value and uh, and who's the value? And now we're actually in that space. You know, this is this is I always say to them, this is something that people in the healthcare industry have to grapple with on a daily basis. We're there now. So so when you mentioned about new norms, really allowing for students to have a level of ethical uh, decision making and ethical uh, an ethical approach to how they will make and create uh, make decisions is exceptionally important. And then the second case, um, I think going back once again to your to the new norms would be uh Grief strategies for the overworked hospitality professional. Um, I think that now we're we're in a space right now where you know grief grief is, is what we're dealing with, and um, we will come back. This industry it, it's not even coming. It's not so much as that it's not gone. There's it, it's just it's transforming and it will be back to a different look. But the reality is that employees now have a very strong sense of what it is they, they deem important. So creating maybe a case around mental and emotional health or emotional labor. Uh, what's the uh, employer's responsibility for employee wellness? Because there's going to be a level of, of, of grief that students um, and well, that industry professionals are really going to going to going to have to deal with and, and cope with uh, for many years to come. So with that, um, you know, maybe writing a case on uh, how, how you would approach that both from an HR uh, perspective, but also from a compassion uh, perspective. Well, thank you for that. And, and truly, uh, I think none of us are brought up recognizing how to deal with uh, the grief side of it. Um, you're, you're absolutely correct. Our healthcare professionals are in the uh, a right dead center in the middle of it. They're dealing with some very, very hard calls day in and day out. But I think the, the particularly from organization's point of view and individuals, the true North would be defined uh, as we work through this uh, pandemic. So thank you for that insight. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, please stay around uh, and, and we will come back with uh, some more questions at the tail end of it. Thank you, Dr. Tucker.
Let me let me move to our next guest, uh, Alex, Alex Banas, who's with Benchmark Global Hospitality. Alex, how's your day been and uh, how has your day started out this morning? Hey, Abbott, thanks for uh, again for having us. And uh, Dr. Tucker, I'm going to come hang out in your class and uh, help you with everything you just talked about, because uh, very inspiring uh, to think about what the students in this world are learning before they jump into our industry. So uh, great, great way to start it. And Abbott, good to see you, old friend. Uh, Abbott used to work for our company uh, a while ago, and we've always been uh, keeping in touch. So appreciate the invite. Absolutely. Thank you for taking the time. I know that uh, you, the people's time is being consumed in many, many, many different ways. Uh, we were used to having in-person meetings and all of a sudden, Yeah, well, we're, we're looking forward to uh, to social distancing and being a distant memory in our industry, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, Alex, if I may ask you, uh, tell us some of the success stories from benchmark point of view. Um, though we are far from celebrating successes at this point, but what has Benchmark done to address the various stakeholders in this industry? Well, look, it's been, uh, you know, everything that um, that our economy and our, our world is doing right now, uh, unfortunately, is the opposite of what hospitality is really all about. You know, social distancing, uh, it's impossible to do our business uh, in this in this state of affairs. Um, so we are the exact opposite. So uh, our industry overall is at the front line, front line of the unfortunate negative impact to uh, an industry that really uh, can't function uh, in this environment. And I, I would include cruise lines and hotel industry, obviously, you know, food and beverage and restaurants. So, you know, we went through, uh, you know, a normal course of two weeks of crisis, which was just how do we um manage the employee scenario, how do we manage each of our properties. It was certainly early health, safety, and concerns for our guests. Fortunately, across our portfolio of about 12,000 guest rooms, 60-odd uh, uh, properties, and a business in the UK in the meetings and event space, we've had very few COVID-19 cases, so we're very fortunate. Um, I will tell you that health professionals that we worked with in various jurisdictions in each of those cases did a phenomenal job. Uh, so I, I, I applaud everybody who's having to deal with the frontline reality of, of this right now. Uh, and then really all of our properties that have ownership, they have you know investors behind them, uh, we have to protect the business. Um, so we've had to make uh, the very unfortunate decisions that are heartbreaking, uh, the toughest in our careers. Uh, of furloughing, uh, essentially in most cases, we furloughed employees to where uh, they're able to apply for unemployment, we're able to keep them on healthcare and benefits, uh, but are, they're essentially receiving no pay because we have no revenue uh, across our portfolio. Two thirds to 75% of our properties at this point are, are suspended operations. Those that remain open have a skeleton crew and may just simply be in a jurisdiction where it makes some sense or there's enough other business you know, and we're still talking 10 to 15% occupancy. So when you really consider the impact to our industry and you, you look back to 9-11 or 
to any one of the other pandemics that has happened in the past, the impact in the last month has been uh, really combined more so than either of those uh, instances. Uh, and there's just no way to solve for 80 to 90 percent decline in revenue in a quarter. I mean, no business can really manage through that. We're very fortunate to be in a position where, uh, you know, at this point, uh, we've got great investors and a great team. I'm very fortunate to have an incredible team. Uh, we had record year of success for our company last year, and we celebrated that record success about six weeks ago and then are now in this environment. So fortunate to have a team that managed through a very challenging environment very, very well. Uh, and, and we've really accepted the fact that we can't. We can't control this reality. We have to react the right way. So taking care of our employees, being transparent, taking care of our guests. Biggest thing for us has been flexibility for our guests. I've had a number of, in, of interactions with some of our guests, and it's just assuring them, uh, giving them flexibility, particularly on the group side, uh, and, and rebooking business into the future. And they're really over-communicating with our ownership groups that we work with that own these properties because they're, they're really trying to protect the asset uh, for the long term. Uh, so, so our short-term thinking, unfortunately, is crisis management. But really, right about this week, next week, we're starting to focus on what's the reboot? What does it look like to reopen all these assets and come back? It's very hard right now to see what that reality looks like timing but that's our focus right now is let's be ready, let's be proactive, let's be ahead of the game and be ready when all these things uh, come back to, to some sense of normalcy. I think the the bounce back or reboot, as you put it, uh, is going to be one of a kind in itself. Though this pandemic threw a major loop and there isn't an industry that is immune to it, certainly uh, hospitality, generally speaking, is sort of the canary in the coal mine most of the times. But, uh, you know, hospitality is known for bringing people together. This pandemic is counterintuitive. It's asking, exactly. us, to, uh, yeah. asking us to stay away. But uh, uh, it is a matter of time that this will come back. And I think the soonest we can get a handle on the virus itself, listening to the scientists and people that are that are uh, spending their uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week and trying to get hold of it, I think our industry will come back and it'll come back in a vengeance. But at the same time, reboot of 16,000 uh, 16, rooms in 50 different locations, you're going to be going through almost opening up 50 hotels all in one go. What can you do to be prepared for that? Well, we're, we're very fortunate to have had uh, good, solid teams in place. So a big part of the reason that all of really all, all my industry colleagues are doing the same of, of furloughing employees is you've got a trained workforce. We've got a team that knows what to do. And so bringing them back online and bringing that team back in a staged way, uh, at this point, impossible for us to know just how quickly uh, the business will ramp up. Uh, it's not going to go uh, as quick as it came down, but our assumption is that it will be a V-shaped recovery. Uh, so bringing back that team in staged ways will be very helpful. Uh, we, we clearly are concerned about supply chain. So we've got a, a team focused on uh, simply that, right? How do we think about supply chain going into the ramp up of opening? Because uh, a lot of the supply chain 
companies from our industry have been shut down. Obviously, a tremendous amount of supply comes from China and other uh, areas that uh, that are going to be affected worldwide. And honestly, I don't think anybody really knows the answer. Uh, much of what we did through this crisis was put a plan in place and every 24 hours we adjust. I think it's going to be very much the same as we come out, is we're going to have to have a very flexible and adjustable plan. Uh, one of the things that we're really focused on right now as well is really communication to our clients and um, giving them assurances that we will be ready when it's time. And when that, uh, you know, I, I keep calling it the all clear message. It, at some point, there needs to be a scientific data-driven all clear message so we can really get back to, uh, you know, the business of, of life and meetings and business travel and vacations and all the other things that, uh, that unfortunately we're, we're putting on pause right now. I think coming out of it, one of the other challenges that uh, we need to collectively talk about it uh, is how to gain consumer confidence because everybody is going to be a bit jittery, uh, particularly international travel, uh, where it was relied upon, particularly uh, the major markets like New York, Tokyo, Singapore, Hong Kong, Madrid. Everybody relied on a lot of international inbound that what people are going to be jittery. So we will have to make sure that collectively we are prepared with a cohesive, concise message to gain consumer confidence in the shortest time period so that they will come back. Uh, but thank you for that insight. Sam? Yeah, I think the, from what I'm hearing here in, in Northern Europe, we are, uh, there are a lot of people now already thinking what, what is sort of the next, because I, they are so anxious to, to uh, uh, find a time to go to the holidays. So they're already kind of thinking along the lines, the future. And so there's a little bit of a mindset, even though it's very dramatic and so on, but I, but also the, the importance for brands and companies, how they communicate about that. about that. that uh, so it's not the kind of a cliche type of message about uh, uh, welcome back to the to have your greatest holiday, but find a very maybe a humble and empathetic approach to, to reach the customer in a way that they are they are uh, that uh, they remember that particular destination, the hotel, whenever they are ready to to make that uh, step to make that booking. But there definitely is in the back of the mind, people are already. I mean, we are looking about three weeks here in in, in Finland. That uh, and I am already hearing that there is that kind of a oh, I think I need to start a plan somehow to go somewhere because now I'm sure this will be over sooner than later. Yeah, Sam, we're, our our message has really been. Uh, about social togetherness, uh, e even in my uh, in my letter to our entire employee, I've sent two two letters to our entire entire employee group in the last three weeks, uh, just giving them a, a transparent and realistic appreciation for what is going on within the company, and also uh, spreading as much hope uh, that we will get through this. It's not a matter of if; it's just when. And when is hard. It's um, it's impatient. It's challenging to just not know, but what we can all know is our company will come out the other side of this. It's really when and exactly how, and we will do that well, but social togetherness has been a big a part of it. Uh, be the difference of the three most important words in my company, and it's all about the difference we make in the lives of those we serve and all the constituents with which we serve. So my, my message to the team has been, you know, in the darkest of moments, in the moments of frustration, in the moments 
where, you know, unfortunately, a lot of our employees are going to be suffering financially. And we're doing everything we possibly can to provide the unemployment resources, provide health benefits. I mean, we're, we're, we're really providing that guidance to our employees on that issue. But really close your eyes and, and imagine the day when when social togetherness is is back in season and back in vogue and social distancing is a distant memory because you know the healthcare workers and the pharmacists and the grocers they're at the front line of the crisis now and when this is over hospitality and travel will be at the forefront of the recovery the world will need hospitality the world will need togetherness the world will need face to face handshakes and hugs and all the things that we're not doing. It's in, it's in our set as, human, as a human race. Mm-hmm. We need it. And hospitality will be right there at the forefront of that. So, you know, as hard as it is right now because we're shut down, um, there's going to be a moment in time where we are, we are at the front line of recovery. And uh, what a great opportunity for our business when that does take place. Thank you. Those are very uh, great, great words of wisdom from you. Thank you. Alex, any thoughts as to what the the industry would look like post-pandemic era? You know, uh, so I, I refuse to believe and I will, uh, you know, die on my sword that uh, face-to-face meetings and uh, conferences and events of this nature are, are going to fundamentally change long-term. Uh, yes, will there be potentially more use of technology, but that's been a trend for a long time. Uh, I still think people will want to gather uh, in small and large groups. I think in the medium term, there will definitely be a focus on more regional, local. Uh, We've certainly targeted a lot of our uh, research and development on the sales and marketing side in each of our properties. Let's, Let's look at our database. Let's look at who comes to each of our properties and let's understand the dynamics of travel as we come out of this, because odds are there's going to be a certain level of comfort with staying local, meeting local, meeting in smaller groups. I think that's just human nature. Uh, um, hopeful that the all clear at some point in time uh, builds the psychological safety that we really need for people to say, okay, I'm going to go back to the life I had before and the way I interact with other humans just as if there was any other respiratory virus, you know, in the air at any given time, just like flu season. I'm not a scientist. I don't know when that all clear is there, but I'm certainly hopeful and it will be great for the world. Obviously, I think there'll be some expectation of cleanliness standards and things of that nature that will, you know, that will be expected. Um, I, I'm, we're, we're, we're spending some time as a company around the cross-functional staffing and doing more with less. What can we learn about uh, staffing levels, um, technology use, how the consumer behavior may shift uh, in our space. Um, so, you know, aside from cleanliness, more just what what are consumers going to be more used to, perhaps, uh, at the end of this. I think that's still yet to be seen or yet to be known. Um, and then, Abbott, you had asked about alternative accommodations, uh, you know, like Airbnb and, and rentals and things of that nature. I think the, that that business isn't going anywhere. Be very curious to see just how, you know, as as a member of the hospitality space, we've always been focused on the health and safety of our guests, and there's obviously a tremendous amount of regulation associated with that. And that's been an unregulated area of the 
alternative accommodation space. Uh, I got to imagine that space is going to change dramatically as a result of this, uh, because people simply may not feel as safe if they're going to a place that doesn't have the same cleanliness standards and the same uh, level of expectations uh, commercially, you know, as a hotel, uh, you know, does. So you, you're, uh, thank you for bringing that point up. You, you're spot on. I think there are consumer for each type of lodging that is offered and that exists. Um, alternative accommodations uh, thus far, uh, in spite of the fact that there is a lot of work that is being done on a regulatory uh, side of things to make sure that it levels the playing field and make sure that the consumers are safe. Um, I, I think this might force the issue, not that it's going to go away, but it might force <laughs> certain operating standards that alternative accommodations will have to adhere by, again, to gain the confidence of the consumer so that they will feel comfortable going and using their preferred choice of accommodations, whatever, whatever that happens to be, whichever environment they might feel comfortable with. Um, any any particular initiatives, uh, Alex, that you guys might have launched as you deal with this pandemic today or preparing for the reboot side of it? Uh, two, two things that uh, have uh, one's a feel good element of this. Uh, we uh, we have a, a philanthropic initiative across our portfolio called Home, Hometown Hospitality. At every property, it's how do we engage in the local community? How do we support uh, any anything that is relevant to our employee base? And that can be anything from food banks to homeless shelters to uh, you know uh, involved with school programs. Uh, it's a wide variety. It's not something that we dictate nationally as a as an organization. It's something that we want our properties to do locally. Well, we've turned that into home team hospitality for the past uh, few weeks and uh, the coming months going forward and really taking care of our own. Um, you know, we obviously have a tremendous uh, employee base that is uh, going to suffer through this. And so we've just turned that on its head and called it home team hospitality and finding out what community resources are available in all the locations that we're in that can be available to our staff. What can we do internally with relief fund efforts uh, that we've already started to be able to help make ends meet? Uh, all of our properties went through freezer cleans and you know food baskets to all of our team. Um, we've even had, I think, some chefs doing uh, you know cooking classes online uh, for for our teammates. Uh, I heard uh, last week that somebody did a, a seventy-five person Zoom call with their entire <laughs> property base. So a lot of just uh, Connectivity with our employees to, uh, you know, to, to Dr. Tucker's point, uh, how are we emotionally connecting with everybody? I, I've told every member of our team that everyone is a part of the solution here to get our company through this. Everybody is a part of uh, the process. And although some are going to be on the front lines of managing the crisis and still working full time, and some are going to be furloughed, much like we're all being asked to stay home today, some people on our team are just going to be asked to stay home for full months because there's just not enough business level, but they're still part of our family. So we're, we're really engaging and communicating with them as much as possible. And really the second, second big one, uh, Abbott, is the CARES Act, uh, a tremendous uh, you know, government uh, resource available to us. I've never been one, one for a tremendous amount 
uh, government support. Uh, but uh, in this in this time, uh, it's absolutely the right thing to do. I am super thankful for our government for doing what they've done. Um, and uh, and so we're we're helping our owners and helping our properties. Uh, we had we've had an entire team of people digging through a whole lot of information being shared so that we can be proactive and focused in uh, in leveraging that resource as much as we can to save jobs and bring uh, liquidity to our business to be able to get us through this this next three or four months. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'm sure your associates and all stakeholders appreciate all that you're doing because a simple thing for a person that has been furloughed trying to apply for the unemployment has become an arduous task. Yeah. There has never been, or at least in the recent history, there never have been numbers that are as staggering. Our systems are being taxed to the max mm -hmm. and, and uh, talk about a stress test on all infrastructure that is being placed as a result of the environment that we're operating in. So I'm sure your stakeholders appreciate all that you're doing. Last question, Alex, and then we'll move on. Dr. Tucker had uh, mentioned uh, earlier about industry evolving to attract and look after the the new entrants, the new leaders of the industry. Any particular thoughts on that? Yeah, look, um, you know, I'm sure this will be seen by, uh, you know, some students uh, in our industry and uh, people who are who are thinking about hospitality will I say everybody, you know, if you if you uh, if you aren't tuned into the radio station WIFO, then you're not made for our space, um, and that's what's in it for others. Uh, you have to be other centered, and much like those at the front line of dealing with the healthcare crisis, uh, I go back to we are going to be at the front line of dealing with healing the world with hospitality. And although there's a pause for right now, what an awesome time to join our industry because uh, we will come roaring back and there will be tremendous opportunity. And I don't think experience making, memory making, um, valuing experiences over things, which is already uh, happening. And I think this will only further uh, that interest generationally. Uh, it's a great space to be in. And uh, we're at the forefront of memory making and, uh, and emotion as our product. So uh, we look forward to welcoming a lot of new people in the industry just to give us a little time during this pause, but we'll be ready for them. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Alex. And, and, you know, there are maybe a handful of people in this world. And yesterday, uh, one of the news anchors was highlighting a World War II veteran that is has just celebrated his 104th or 105th birthday about the only person that we know of that went through Spanish flu pandemic and is going through this time. Uh, whether we wanted to experience this pandemic or not, we're in the thick of it. And uh, hopefully we will never have to go through this again, but we will learn how to deal with these kind of adverse situations as they come up. I thought industry had dealt with the other issues like SARS or H1N1, but they were nowhere near as, as big and widespread as this was. Thank you very much, Alex. So let me let me turn over to Michael. Michael, how's, uh, how's your day going? Thank you for joining us. 
So far, so good. It's been great to listen to the uh, to the commentary so far. Good morning from uh, Greater Metro New York. We are hanging in there, fighting through. I guess you are in the hot spot in uh, U.S. Uh, the the uh, tri-state area has become a sort of a, a, a place which is absolutely overrun, and people are trying to learn from the tri-state response. We are, and uh, we're we're sticking close to hearth and home. Obviously, all of us. But I have to say, it's been it's been wonderful and gratifying to see communities, neighborhoods, neighbors, families come together in this time, uh, communicate with each other. Holiday season coming up, uh, Easter, Passover. It's going to be a it's going to be a virtual holiday season for all of us, but. We'll we'll be together nonetheless, and that that spirit's carrying through here in the uh, in the New York area as well. Oh, fantastic! Well, Michael, if I may ask you, uh, communication is important in any organization at any time, even during normal uh, operation. Communication is pivotal, and and there is possibly no silver bullet as to what's the best way to communicate because it's all about the audience and and who you're trying to reach. What can the industry and practitioners do today to stay connected with all stakeholders? And in that stakeholder, I talk about the associates, I talk about the guests, and I talk about the owners whose investments are being looked after. All of us are in it together, but any thoughts on what can we do to dial that up and make sure that we are staying connected with all stakeholders? Yeah, I think that's right, Abid. Uh, and you know, as a communications practitioner, um, yeah, I kind of tend to think about this in in two segments. Right? There's speaking and communicating, and proactively communicating. But before that, uh, it really comes down to listening and connecting. So for me, uh, connecting and listening to your audiences, your guests, your customers, your investors, your associates. Is really the first step. Um, I was reading the other day about a company outside of hospitality, but it's called Gravity, which is a payments processing uh, company for small businesses out of Seattle. Confronted with many of the same challenges that Alex has uh, outlined, and that that are afflicting hotel companies right now: uh, layoffs, no cash coming in the door. And the CEO of this company actually created a forum whereby they met with the entire company, sat them down, asked them to assess the situation together with leadership, so 200 employees, and then scheduled 40 individual sessions with small groups to listen to them, hear the challenges they're confronting at this time, and then asked each employee in a confidential communication to offer what they can provide at this time, what kind of sacrifice can they make in order to help the company survive? So Gravity was looking at, based on millions of dollars in lost revenue from small business, uh, their small business clients, a two-month window of being able to survive as a result of the, the communications with their employees and voluntary sacrifices their employees made they raised enough money to open that window to eight to 12 months. So for me, it, it, I think what that shows is it begins with listening. It begins with listening to your associates and your stakeholders. 
hearing what they're feeling and what's on their mind, and then trying to use that feedback uh, in order to create your policies and and your chart a path to to the future. Um, so if listening and connecting is point one, I would say step two is is articulating and proactively communicating. Um, if there's an opportunity in this moment for hotel companies, practitioners, vendors to the industry, it's the opportunity to step back and really find your voice. Um, there's a ton of clutter, as you, as you no doubt see, um, in the industry right now. Most of it is appropriate. It's very difficult to know exactly how to find the right thing to say, even the constellation of circumstances that Alex has outlined. Um, I will say this, nobody's buying. So selling as a communication strategy is not the way to go for your company or your hotel at this time. Um, thinking about where your hotel or your company fits in this pandemic, how you're working with guests, associates, and stakeholders to improve their situation and shine a light toward the future. It's a really important exercise to dig deep and try to find your authentic voice and think about exactly what your company stands for, what its mission is, and how you serve the industry. Um, a brief case study there, we've all been through, unfortunately, uh, downturns and crises in the past. Coming out of 9-11, we were working with a company probably many of your listeners know, Felcor, and Tom Corcoran, a good friend of ours, who was the CEO. At the time, uh, prior to 9-11, uh, there was a merger announced between Felcor and Maristar to create a um, the number one largest REIT in the hotel industry. As a result of 9-11, that merger had to be canceled. And the question was, now what do we do? What do we say? The merger's off. We've been preparing the industry for this announcement and this culmination for six months, and now it's not happening. Where do we go? What do we say? After some intensive communication sessions and discussions, we found, among other things, that Tom was, and I believe still is, a gourmet chef. And the way he built esprit de corps among his staff and his team was to gather them every Friday, this predated 9-11, but to cook them breakfast in the office every Friday. We honed in on that, and as, as an example of the way in which Felcor was reaching out to its team, its staff, its management, building esprit de corps and sticking together during difficult times, highlighted that through a series of media outreach and event eventually ended up with Tom cooking breakfast on breakfast with a CEO on CNBC, supported by and, and uh, involving his entire corporate team. Uh, for Tom, that was his voice. That was his passion. We, he integrated that into a message about what his company was trying to do and how they were trying to support together and saw it through a very difficult time with success. So listening, connecting, feedback, and authenticity, I think, are the keys to effective communication. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Truly, the organizational culture and organizational mission and values are going to be front and center as we uh, fight through and navigate through this uh, pandemic. Um, again, as, as has been said several times, nobody, nobody has experienced anything like this. So a lot of us are sort of adjusting and being nimble as we work through. Now, uh, Michael, I know you have spent and you continue to spend a lot of time in the tech world. Uh, what do you think, what new disruptors would come out? What new technologies we can anticipate as a result of this? Yeah, I think it's very interesting, actually. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's no secret that tough times like this calls forth, um, obviously, the pain and the concern and, uh, and the difficulty for companies, but it also provides ground for innovators and for companies that find a new way to create solutions that benefit people uh, and industries and customers. Again, no secret that out of 2008, 2009, companies like Uber, uh, Venmo, and WhatsApp were, were formed and created to deal with specifically solutions they could provide in that circumstance that helped move companies and consumers ahead. So I think you're seeing some interesting work being done right now. A company called Cloudbeds, uh, which we're advising, which has created, used its platform as a PMS provider and is using its platform to connect hotels with available beds with uh, healthcare providers and municipalities in need of those beds at this point due to the intense pressure on the healthcare system. A great use of a technology uh, to, connect, um, to connect those in need with those who have inventory. And in fact, there's some discussion of uh, HNLA is doing, a, is doing a, a similar program as are other companies around the world. And there's some discussion of creating a system whereby in emergency circumstances, a directory or a technology platform that connects hotels with cities, municipalities, and healthcare providers might be something that continues on into the future and even have its own business model for success going forward. Uh, another company called Alice, which is involved in uh, operations technology, has created a platform which embodies a checklist of housekeeping and back-of-the-house operational efficiency measures, which it's providing free to hotels, which may become built into its platform in the future and help hoteliers do their work more efficiently going forward. Uh, another company we're involved with out in uh, Silicon Valley called Dishcraft Robotics has created a robotic uh, arm, which... Uh, cleans dishes um, and provides an efficient way for hotels to do uh, back of the house uh, dish cleaning. Obviously not, uh, not relevant at this moment because nobody's serving meals, but what they've done is adapted their service to a pickup service, much the way that, um, that linens are picked up and cleaned for hotels and delivered back to them. Uh, they can now pick up dishes, clean them using their robotics technology, and then deliver them back to the hotel 
again, preparing the ground for when things come back, for when the industry is robust and guests are visiting us again. A ton of opportunity for hotel companies uh, and technology platforms to create new solutions for the future. Well, thank you for that. And, and there are great many stories from hotels, as you talked about, extending rooms to the healthcare professionals, to restaurants delivering meals. There are a lot of stories, for, particularly for hotels, that are contemplating or that might have extended their inventory to healthcare professionals. That yet again introduces a new challenge because the spread is, is a big issue. We have been in, as, as we talked about earlier, we've been in bringing people together and dealing with this pandemic and making sure that our associates are safe and the other people that would be in the hotel are safe. That has to be talked about. I know in, in UK, the um, healthcare system at one point had sent out guidelines to hotels as to what to look out for and the do's and don'ts of dealing with this. But that was, uh, even though it seems like it was uh, years ago, it was only a few weeks ago, but the world has changed completely and the hotels are not not operating anymore. Um, so it is it, communication and, and delivering these things thoughtfully is uh, critical. Uh, a, a, a same question that we talked about earlier from from uh, a communication practitioner, what do you think industry can do to gain the confidence? Because I think that's going to be very, very, very important. Yeah, listen, I think that uh, on the whole, uh, I, I think hotel companies are doing an outstanding job, uh, by and large, of communicating effectively in a very difficult time. <clears throat> Anybody, and I'm sure everybody by this point, has seen Arnie Sorensen's message, which he sent out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think it was brilliantly done in terms of its candor, authenticity, and offering both a, a realistic assessment of the current situation, but also looking ahead to the future with hope and communicating resilience. I think that the key, Abid, really is, is, as I said before, authenticity. Uh, we've got technologies, we've got communications vehicles for reaching all our audiences instantaneously and interactively at this point. The, the key is focusing on the message and the authenticity of what you want to say. It's what your company is about, as Alex brilliantly said, we're about bringing people together as an industry. Each and every hospitality purveyor is about that fundamental mission. Uh, and I think tapping into one's own individual Peace in that in that constellation is critical. Taking a few minutes to really think through what your company is, what the value is that you deliver to your associates, your investors, your guests, and and then framing that in a way that speaks authentically and truly to your mission is is the key going forward. You know, one other thing that is different uh, um, uh, today than any other epidemic that we dealt with, whether it was SARS, MERS, H1N1, or anything else we dealt with, this is the first time social media is, is the consumption of social media is huge. Uh, you talked about earlier, there is all sorts of information available, some 
that might or might not be true. And, and there is just, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming to, to uh, sort of stay focused on what you need to do. Um, it's so much so that uh, depression amongst normal individuals, people like all of us, listening to the news because we are on 24-7 news cycle. All you are hearing about these days through social media, through uh, news networks, is um, uh, all the, 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 the pain and suffering that is going on. Any thoughts on, on how to deal with that through the use of technologies? Yeah, look, I think um, it, it's this, this uh, in general, we live in a society, but more so now under this crisis than ever, um, we live in a world of clutter. Um, as you say, social media, um, the, the volume of noise coming out of every quarter is just, uh, I, I, I'm sure you, you, you and your listeners and the others on the panel experiences too, there comes a moment where you've just got to switch it off, right? And, and, and uh, recoil and redouble into your own situation, take stock and think through what you really feel and how you're really thinking about and positioning yourself for the future. So I, I would be, I would be really leery of in any way adding to that clutter. Um, if you as a company, a hotel, a practitioner are not clear on what you want to say, wait a day or two, think about it, say it tomorrow, say it next week, all the channels will be there. Um, on the other hand, if you've got a contribution to make, a positive contribution, like the fellow at Gravity, like uh, Cloud Beds and HMLA bringing together uh, available beds with those in need, um, seek out your authentic voice, think carefully about how you're going to articulate it, and then send it through the right and appropriate channels. Um, it's true in general as a communication strategy, and we always advise our clients, but more so now than ever, authenticity speaks for itself. Superb, superb. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. So we're approaching the end of it, and I'll come back to all three of you, and we'll open it up. If you would take a minute to think about a feel-good story. We've talked about uh, the pain and suffering that is going on. So we'll give you a minute to think about, let me turn it over to Sam for a quick second, and then we'll come back starting with uh, Dr. Tucker. Sam. Well, I, <clears throat> and Michael, I really liked uh, the way your approach is that how uh, with this clutter, it's, it's so important that uh, uh, do not bombard the channels with lots of uh, messages. Take your time, sit back and use, use your voice uh, smartly and also to listen carefully what, what, is, what is being said on, online uh, about you and about their current situation and then be compassionate about it. Uh, if you would choose any particular channels, are you looking at, uh, uh, is the video one of the channels that can reach e people easier? They will, uh, or is it something that you put together a, a episode on maybe a, a podcast where people will just take their time to listen to it when it, they are ready for it? Or what, are, what is your feeling about this? Well, without a doubt, Sam, I mean, I think, you know, uh, obviously in media, there's been a huge move uh, in, in over the past decade and more in the direction of video and interactive communication. 
listen, when I, my, my first PR assignment in, I'm going to, I'm going to say it haltingly, the night, the late 1980s involved writing a press release. Um, we, we typed it on a typewriter. We stuffed the press releases in envelopes wrote the names of the media who were the recipients of the press release on the, uh, on the outside of the envelopes and then ran them through postage machines in order to mail out the press release. So, so far have we come uh, from those days to where we are right now. I, I would say that um, the, the choice of your channel and your vehicle needs to be driven by the, the, the immediacy of your message. Uh, by what you want to say and by by who your audience is, um, channels such as this and uh, other industry publications. Almost every industry publication is printing, printing in print, printing online, and doing video. So uh, my, my suggestion would be kind of review your, your options, correlate with your message, and um, hopefully the right the right channel reveals itself. Michael, you must have started in, in this uh, uh, vertical when you were in middle school. It was caveman. <laughs> it, was, it was caveman days. Well, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for that. Uh, let me uh, turn back to uh, Dr. Tucker. Dr. Tucker, any, uh, to end the session, uh, would you share some story that is uh, um, uh, positive and that, that helps us get through this, this pandemic? Well, I mean, I think that, um, and kind of listening to 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 everyone, I think there there's kind of three things that sort of really pop up at the end. Um, I'm thinking about a feel good because there's so many great things that are going on right now. Um, our industry is really coming together in a collaborative nature. Um, there is no separation of you know I'm in a hotel and you know you're in a restaurant and you're a caterer. One of the best stories I can think about is uh, an organization in the D.C. Metro, uh, D.C. Maryland, Virginia area, which we commonly refer to um, as the DMV. Um, uh, Black Restaurant Week, who has put together kind of caterers and restaurants together to serve each other. Um, there's, uh, they put together this great, um, uh, basically kind of takeout um, event with a coffee shop, Culture Coffee 2 in DC. Um, and they partnered them with a caterer, uh, Chef Reese, and people were able to, you know, go in and grab, you know, some great healthy meals, as well as a beverage and just continuing that with the community. Um, I think that that's probably one of the better models of where like the caterer now is becoming like the, almost the savior. And that particular caterer ended up booking um, business with first responders, uh, with police um, stations, et cetera. So they're finding, they're using creativity um, and what they do naturally in order to continue their business. Um, but the, the, the first responder community and the essential um, job community is very large. There's still a lot of people working. So the caterer actually becoming that um, that that vehicle to be able to really help uh, uh, you know first responders and, and feed them and, and all those avenues, I think is a great uh, feel good avenue for both uh, creativity um, as well as um, a, a, the ability to still find a, a, an opening and a gap to, to generate revenue. Um, I think uh, seeing great stories about hotels, I think Alex really talked about, you know, there's that element of the owner to protect the asset, but there's owners that are making decisions to open up their hotels to, to, to first responders. Um, to be able to tell that story um, after it's over um, is really allowing the customer to make that decision of where they're going to spend their dollars. And I think that's 
that's huge in this in this avenue. Uh, the consumer is looking towards the hospitality industry now for what we're doing. What's our next move? That that has never happened before. It, we were kind of we we were kind of tucked behind. I mean, we all have a conversation about it, but we're we're tucked behind um, in that in that discussion. And now seeing that um, you know ownership and management is really stepping up uh, to to help in this avenue, I think is is so huge uh, a, a feel good avenue and area. And just for students, I mean, just just word so wise. I mean, tough times don't last, but tough people do. Um, using your social media platforms for ec- for creative for excellent, relevant content, not just what you're feeling, uh, makes a makes a huge um, avenue and area. And there's now individuals and companies that are seeking out for some great solutions and thought. So use that time for that. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I'll have to remember that. Uh, very well said. Tough times do not last. Tough people do. And that is very, very eloquently said. Thank you very much for that. Uh, We would encourage our listeners and and people that have participated in our uh, group of hospitality talks to share other stories where the industry is helping. I know it's innate in our DNA as humanity to help each other. Sometimes, quite candidly, we don't know how we look to others. So if there are stories that you can share, please go to our group page. Please share some of the stories that are being practiced because it it is very important at this time that we all stay positive and we all stay focused. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, Let me turn it over to Alex. Uh, Two two things come to mind. Um, One is just the the simplicity of the written word or text or phone call uh, to connect with people. My United app has never been so empty. Um, my calendar has never been more flexible uh, than I can remember, albeit with a lot of, of things going on. I've got more time each morning, and I'm really trying to practice each morning, uh, thinking about and praying for people that come to mind. And it isn't a list. It's just who comes to mind. And, uh, you know, one of our general managers sent me a, a, an email the other day of, you know, the gravity of the decisions that we're making and how tough it must be as a leader, wishing that he could do something. And I wrote him back and I said, you just did something. You wrote me a letter that made me feel good about and not alone. And those written words are valuable. I I sent a letter to a, a very senior executive for Carnival Cruise Lines, who's just a friend. And as you can imagine, the cruise industry is also getting absolutely absolutely hammered uh, by this crisis, if not worse, with some of the unfortunate realities of, of sicknesses on ships throughout the world. And uh, he wrote me back within two hours, uh, just thankful for the note, thankful for friends thinking about him. So the written word is incredibly valuable, or the text or the phone call to just give people comfort. And then we are uh, we are in the process right now of, of putting together a promotion uh, relative to frontline first responders. Um, for respite. Uh, we haven't come up with a name or the exact program yet because we're probably some time away from being able to offer it because we'll, we won't be uh, back in business for some time. But when this does calm down and there's an opportunity for healthcare workers and first responders to, to get some time of respite, which they desperately need, uh, we know our industry is going to be on this. We know that there's broader initiatives that the uh, American Hotel and Lodging Association is working on. Um, uh, in this in this effort, uh, but we want to be a place to welcome uh, those folks with uh, 
with a great special opportunity to, to just give them some time to rest and, uh, and relax and enjoy. Superb. These folks are uh, absolutely doing everything to look after all of us. They are in the front line, so I'm sure that'll be greatly appreciated and needed by the time we uh, get on the other side of this pandemic. So thank you for that, Alex. Last but certainly not least, Michael, any thoughts on on something good that the uh, is being done and being practiced? Yeah, two two quick thoughts. I think also uh, one on a on a sort of macro level. Uh, I just read this morning <clears throat> that uh, that Germany, which is being hit not as hard by uh, coronavirus as some of its neighbors, is opening its beds, hospital beds and ICUs to patients from Italy and France. Uh, where they're being completely overrun and stressed. And just it, it just, it really, it being a little bit of a student of history, it just, you, you think about the history of Europe and World War II and World War I and sort of lifelong mortal enemies uh, uh, trading borders and conflict over the course of centuries. And, and here we have, you know, two countries, part of a common union, uh, one uh, opening its borders and opening its uh, hearts and its hospitals to to take in overflow from another. Uh, I think that's a that's a really beautiful thing and um, and uh, well done Germany on a on a macro level. You know, closer to home, um, I I live right now with my family in the in the town that I grew up in uh, years and years ago. There's a there's a little inn. Uh, called The Barn, which serves classic American uh, comfort food fare. Uh, this, this restaurant has been in business for over 100 years, and it looks just like that, kind of an old classic barn in which you sit and have a beer and a burger. Um, it's, it's in great danger of going out of business now uh, as a family-run business. Uh, but I learned last night that uh, they have decided to use whatever resources they have to offer free food to an elder care facility uh, right around the block. And so they're taking whatever inventory they have and whatever staff uh, time they can muster to put together meals and deliver them to the senior facility, make sure that seniors and the providers there are uh, well-fed and feel a little bit a part of our traditional community here. So to me, that's, that's hospitality doing what hospitality is supposed to do, reaching out, engaging, involving people, and giving back. So shout that's out to the barn. Good luck. Superb. Those are, those are great stories and a great way to end our session. Before I turn it over to Sam, just to reiterate, and everybody knows this, sometimes we just have to be reminded, we will persevere. Humanity is it is going to get through this thing, even though it's a lot of tough times and a lot of people are dealing with suffering and pain, but we will get through it. We just need to stay strong, stay focused and, and do whatever we can to help each other. We might not be able to help everybody, but everybody can help somebody. So thank you. Thank you to three of you and thank you to our viewers.
Let me turn it over to Sam for uh, closing words. Well, um, I, I really appreciate uh, everything that has been said today. Uh, I think people have now who are viewing around the world, they've been just uh, uh, seem to be just uh, uh, absorbing everything that is being said. I don't see any comments. They just want to absorb and think about it. And I'm sure uh, uh, any comments or feedback uh, that we'll be getting, uh, we'll be channeling them to you uh, after the after the broadcast. Uh, but I'm also uh, wary about that how people are feeling at the moment, and I think how you uh, eloquently just said about that side of humanity and that that we all in it together and. Uh, uh, this is, we will look back one day that what are the big lessons we learned from this uh, tragic uh, time and then we'll become, uh, hopefully, our hearts are more softer for other people who are unfortunate in, in this time and also the teams who are coming back to the hotels and restaurants will be uh, motivated and they can, they can have seen their, their boss in, the new, in a new light that they didn't know perhaps before. Or maybe they did. So I think it's uh, it's all good that it's going to happen now. And I'm very uh, positive about that. Thanks for joining us this week on The Social Hotelier Show. Make sure to visit our website, b8bhospitality.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes or Spotify, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we appreciate rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.